Island life would provide a welcome change of pace from the hectic New York social life. How wrong I was. We hadn't stopped since I'd arrived. The constant round of lunches and dinners and excursions thus far made Manhattan seem monastic by comparison. Last night's dinner in a local restaurant had ended somewhere around two in the morning. I may not survive this wedding, Betty said at last. Taking a sip of her vodka-laced papaya juice, she lapsed into silence. So, what's on the schedule for today? I asked her. Well, there's a tour of Cockleshell. I suppose you'll want to go on that, she said with a dismal air. Cockleshell was the sprawling seaside villa owned by Freddie and Minna Brill, the parents of Woody Brill, Missy Waterman's fiancé. Missy was getting married there. Minna Brill, an American married to a Brit, was an expert on gardens, and the gardens of Cockleshell were featured in a classic book entitled Paradise Found, Splendors of the Tropical Garden. Betty couldn't be bothered with gardens, but she knew of my passion for horticulture. I'd love to see them, I said. Fine, I'll take you. Call it an errand of mercy. But I warn you, if you and Minna start schmoozing about herbaceous borders, I'm going to deadhead the pair of you. Don't worry, I'm too hungover to have any kind of conversation, even about flowers. Max just arrived. He'll probably be there. Then, tonight's the bridal dinner on the coal yacht, she said, with a glimmer of brightness. And tomorrow, of course, is the wedding. Frankly, I can't wait for it to be over. Why Missy couldn't get married in New York and have a party at the plaza or the St. Regis roof like everyone else is beyond me. With that, Betty got up from her chair and staggered over to one of the blue-and-white-striped chaises facing the ocean, where she lay down and dozed off. Alone, I sat at the table thinking about Max and about romance in general. I wasn't exactly past my prime, and it would be nice to have a steady companion, someone with whom I could travel and share common interests. In truth, though, I have to say I had less hope for myself and Max than Betty did. Max, the eighth Earl Vermilion, was reputedly one of the richest, brightest, and most elegant men in England. The sun had never set on his personal British empire, nor was it ever going to, if Max had anything to say about it. Taunton Hall, his ancestral home, was famous not only for its priceless old master paintings, including two Titians and a disputed Vermeer, but for having the largest collection of Chinese bronzes in the world. Scholars and collectors from around the globe came to sit under the vaulted arches of its 16th-century wing and pore over the famous collection assembled by Max's great-grandfather when he lived in China in the 19th century. The Working Vermilion, as the Fifth Earl was called, had replenished the family fortune in the very unaristocratic way of earning money by trade. Having made millions importing tea and silk, the Vermilion family had gone on to distinguish itself as a major social and philanthropic force in England. I had actually met Max in London years ago when I was married to Lucius, but I doubted he would remember me. We'd all been guests at a large party. I remembered Max as a tall, handsome man with a long, thin face, bright blue eyes, thinning gray hair, and the lanky physique of an athlete. He spoke in a deep, drawly voice, which ladies found sexy. Everyone agreed that when Max turned his charm on you, he was very difficult to resist. He was polite to a fault, 
and brilliant, but he had a streak of mischief in him that made those who knew him wary of his charm. All his wives and mistresses said his naughtiness was both what seduced them at first and alienated them eventually. No, in so many ways he wasn't my type, and his marital record didn't bode well either. It was common knowledge that he was a great philanderer. In fact, the speculation was that his second-to-last wife, Henrietta, was actually driven to her grave by Max's infidelities. Still, in a world where rich, single, heterosexual men are scarcer than 90-carat diamonds, I knew that there were literally hundreds of women, both married and single, and on both sides of the Atlantic, who were now a Twitter with the idea that they might become the next Lady Vermilion, especially those with whom Max already had had affairs. Unrealistic, though, some...